for a love that endures and that your goodness surrounds us each and every day and all we have to do is just ask for it talk to you give our lives to you surrender to you knowing that you know what's best for us thank you lord for being that good father in jesus name amen you may be seated Well, wasn't that an awesome, awesome way to start out our morning? Nothing can be better than just watching a family bring their children to the Lord. And I tell you what, there's something else just special about knowing that God has a very special place in his heart for our children. Whether it's our children specifically or it's the children around us, there's just a special place in his heart. And, you know, as I was singing the songs um, with you guys this morning, Off my notes here, the one thing I noticed throughout all of the songs is love. And the one thing I want you guys to realize is Northridge is a safe place. If you're here for the first time this morning, we say welcome. We are glad to have you here. Um, It is just awesome. For those of you that have been here a few times and are still checking things out, again, thank you. Welcome. For those of you that have been coming for a long time and this sometimes becomes routine, thank you and you're welcome here because Northridge is a safe place you see what we realize is that none of us are perfect and it's so easy for us to want to be Northridge is the place to come and be real and so I'm giving you a heads up this morning what I'm going to share with you is going to be real but before we get into that jump back just a little bit for those of you that don't know me my name is Chris Bickett and I'm student ministries pastor which means I'm over the children's ministry So it does something amazing to my heart to have all of those children just standing in the back witnessing what was happening this morning. And the amazing thing is, unless you were in the back row, you probably didn't even know they were back there without attention being drawn to it. But the fact that they came in and they were apart and now they're going back to do what they do in kids' ministry is awesome. Kids' ministry has an amazing team that serves our kids. They introduce them to Jesus. They spend time building relationships with them because that's what it's all about And then it's something truly unique to watch a child grow in their relationship with God and Jesus. It's something that I wish as adults we could hold on to that pleasure and that excitement and that fun. Now I know in here we're not tossing bean bags, we're doing nothing with shaving cream or Legos, and so it's not quite the same level of fun, but there's still a factor of fun when we really get down to the bottom of it. So we're in the middle of this series called Getting the Upper Hand, and so far we've talked about fear, and so far we've talked about anger, and this week we get to hit on envy. And I know right now you all just went, yeah, give me the Legos. I'm out of (laughs) here. There's room for some of you, but trust me, they're going to stop you at the door. (laughs) You see, we get to look at envy, and you know, the irony is not lost that this ended up being my week. You know, I'm the owner of hazel eyes that sometimes shift towards green depending on mood or what I'm wearing. We're not going to go past that, okay? No green-eyed monster comments. It's not lost on me that when I'm discussing with my husband the fact that I originally had a different topic, a much more lighthearted, fun topic that I was like, yes, I can take that one out of the five we're doing. And then when we came down to final planning, went, yeah, that one doesn't fit. We need to go with envy. You're great. So I'm talking to my husband, Paul, and I'm like, okay, so, you know, I have envy. i got to start prepping, working on this. And he was like, well, honey, no problem. You have lots of personal examples. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right, so here we go. (laughs) 
I want you to look over a few of these pictures here. See if any of them pique your interest or your desires or your, oh, jealousy. Yeah. Um, some of those, you know, this was a website that was like, these are the best of the best. And I'm like, I don't even know what half these things are. I think they're supposed to be a motorcycle, an RV maybe. Next slide for me. Oh, yeah. I think any one of those would do for me. We know where Pastor Brent would be. Yeah, he'd be down in those lawn chairs. <laughs> Next slide. Oh, yeah. Friendships, relationships, family. So which of those piques your interest? Which of those is like, yeah, I would like that. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. Let me see a hand if anybody identified with any of those pictures. Like, yes, I would like that. I would dream of that. That would be awesome. Yeah, hands everywhere. Okay, if your hand's not up, you're lying. So hands everywhere. We all have those longings and those desires, right? In fact, some of us are like, I'm so jealous you get to go on that cruise. I'm so jealous you get to go sit by the mountain stream. I'm so jealous, you know, that whatever your pick of candy is, you're jealous about. But the truth of the matter is we have to stop and look at today. What is truly jealousy and what is envy? Because most of us would be willing to say, I'm jealous about shoes, car, job, whatever it is. Most of us are not going to say, yeah, I really envy what you have. In fact, I think probably most of us in this room have never readily used the word envy unless it was some challenge in some board game, right? So what we're going to look at is the fact jealousy has to do with when we're trying to protect something that we own. Envy is when we want what someone else has. So putting it really simply, jealousy is when we're worried about somebody trying to take what we have. If you have a significant other, jealousy might arise if another third party comes into the picture and tries to gain their attention away from you. That's jealousy. Envy, on the other hand, is I want something that somebody else has that's not mine. So we're going to go with the envy this morning. Now, I know that envy can be a real slippery slope, and I know it's something we don't like to talk about, and I know it's a really dangerous emotion. It's something that the Bible actually gives us plenty of examples about. And the hard part is, depending on the translation you use, they do interchange jealousy and envy. But we have to look at the context that it's used in. We go and look at Cain and Abel. We look at Joseph and his brothers, right? His brothers are envious of him, so let's sell him off. That's a great idea, right? Just sell him. We look at some other things, such as Solomon despising David before he becomes king, and we ultimately look at Jesus being turned over by the religious leaders to be crucified. You see, they weren't jealous because they never owned Jesus. That was never theirs to protect. They were envious of the influence that Jesus had of the hope and the life that he offered because they wanted to be able to do that and couldn't. So let's look at three ways that we can progress in our envy because most of us, if we do admit, maybe looking at the slides or something else came to mind, okay, I might have a little bit of envy, but Chris, I'm not that bad. Seriously, Cain and Abel, Jesus, death, yeah, I'm not that bad. But the truth of the matter is we progress. So let's start off with the light one. Desire. 
When we start off with desire, I want something. I long for something. We all have desires, and to some degree that can be healthy. When we're looking at the vacations, when we're looking at other families and thinking they're perfect and mine, whoo, tea, not a candle. When we're looking at jobs, when we're looking at houses, when we're looking at how people decorate their houses. I don't know about you, but I walk into a house and I love looking around. I love it because everybody is so much better than I am. (laughs) But if I'm not careful, I want that for me and I can't have it. Suddenly, we start comparing. We start looking through Pinterest to get ideas. I don't know about you, but, you know, we got our camper last summer, and we were so excited because it's a new-to-us one. And so Pinterest, like, how can, what can I do with my camper to make it look a little bit better? It's not bad by any means. It keeps us dry. It keeps our food, right? There is a whole website on Pinterest of a group of people that, like, fancy decorate, like, curtains, fabric, I mean, they go to the hilts, and I'm looking through these going, honey, I have the answer. And he looked at me and went, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, no, really, I do. We can tile here, and we can paint here, and we can, like, relaminate here. And, you know, if I ask somebody else, they can sew those curtains to go right here. You know, for the ones that just pull down and fall down right now, we can do it. Longing. I want it. And then Pinterest also has the added benefit of whatever I want, there's 20 other options I didn't even know was there. (laughs) Right? Facebook has the picture-perfect whatever it is that you're looking at because it catches your eye because you want it. So there's nothing wrong with us wanting unless we take that extra step and don't let go of that wanting. Because then that opens up the door for the enemy to start coming in and saying, more, 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 more. And then all of a sudden we start to notice the little flaws, the little irritations, those little problems that we've always lived with because it's really not that big of a deal. But, oh, yeah, you know, when I'm looking, that would fix this problem we have. That, we could do this instead That, and our longings grow and grow and grow because we become more and more and more discontent, which leads us into our second progression. Discontentment is I'm unhappy now. It's no longer I want that. It's no longer I long for that. It's now becoming I'm unhappy with what I have, and I want that. And suddenly it becomes a little bit bigger of a deal. You see, do you ever notice when you have something and it starts to irritate you just a little bit, most other people don't notice? How many of you have ever been in a restaurant and seen a family having some difficulties with their children and you're like, geez, I'm sorry. That sucks, but eh, we've all been there, right? But if you're that family, uh uh-uh. Not happening. You guys straighten up right now because everybody else is looking at us. And I want you guys to be the well-behaved, seated children, talking respectfully. Get out from under the table. Let's go. Sit down. Right? All of a sudden, I'm unhappy with what I have and who my children are being because I'm longing for that control, that perfection, that image 
that I have it all together, and I don't. Or in the summer, I know I mow the yard sometimes. It really, truly, honestly depends on if somebody else picks up the dog poop first, <laughs> because I'm not picking up the dog poop, right? But have you ever been in that situation where you know the grass needs mowed? Tomorrow, we have something else today. Tomorrow, there's a game on. Tomorrow, you know, we got this thing we got to go to. And the next thing you know, both neighbors on either side of you mow their grass. Right? And all of a sudden, now you're the shaggy lawn. (laughs) And you're like, what just happened? All of a sudden, that becomes an irritant. It's no longer something that's okay. I mean, it was, yeah, I wanted to mow my lawn before, but it wasn't worth it. Now it's all of a sudden become an issue because we're comparing their perfectly looking lawns that are two inches high to my four inches, right? Discontentment starts affecting our internal processes. It starts making us anxious. It starts making us look around. It starts making us question and judge, is what I have really enough? Really, is it enough? Because if I'm looking at what everybody else has, it's not enough. And we start to doubt a little bit more. And we start to spin cycle a little bit more. And all of a sudden, my temper shortens. My ability to focus shortens. The ability for me to get things done shortens. Procrastination starts coming in for me. Maybe not for you, but it comes in for me. Because I'm like, well, if I can't do it as well as they can do it, I'm not going to do it. Right? Why try? And then it starts impacting us physically. Because when we're looking through a competitive, judgmental filter, I want, I can't have, you have, my insides are going, my physical well-being is going to follow suit pretty shortly after. Blood pressure, depression, anxiety, drastic mood swings, disengagement, We all have our own ones that pick on us. It's a matter of us being able to identify what it is. You see, the Bible makes it pretty clear that envy can be destructive. It can ruin our lives. Proverbs makes it very hard for it to almost be swallowed. In Proverbs 14.30 it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. Think about what that actually means. Think about your bones, strong and hard, your frame, your core. Envy rots. It it disintegrates. It eats at it. It chips it away. Have you ever done that fun game or example with your kids where you take like a corroded penny and you put it in some Pepsi? and it eats it away with the acid, right? That's awesome to look at because the penny ends up brand new and shiny. Not so awesome when envy is the acid and our bones in our life are the penny because it eats it away. It doesn't become shiny and new. It becomes brittle and broken. And trust me, friends, brittle and broken bones hurt. And so when we start getting that way internally, it leads us to resentment. 
because of the hurt, because of the displeasure, resentment becomes, you know what? I deserve. No longer do I just long for something. No longer am I unhappy now with what I have. I deserve whatever it is that I'm looking at. I know. I'm with you. It's not a pleasant one to hear. You see, we think it's not fair. We think, why don't I get that? Why is it so easy for them? Why do they get that blessing and I don't? For those of us that are believers, it gets even harder. Okay, God, I'm doing the right things. Why? Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you blessing me? Why is it I can't have what I want? It's not fair. The hard part is we begin attacking ourselves. We begin attacking others. And we begin attacking God. You see, all of a sudden, because we're hurting and because we want and we can't have, because we think we deserve, because we think we're being shorted, we start looking at other people differently. They no longer become something I like or I want or you have and can I replicate. They become an obstacle. They become a challenge. I deserve what you have, so I'm going to figure out how to get it. They don't become the human being that's kind and caring and compassionate, right? They become that thing between you and what you want. And all of a sudden, we put everybody at arm's distance. We go into competitive mode at default and keep it there because that's the way we feel in control. That's the way we feel like we get what we want. And I can be a winner if you lose. Not pretty not pretty at all, which is why none of us want to say, I envy that. I envy you. Because when we get down to the core of it, it's ugly. But you see, I'm not attacking you. I'm not attacking you at all. Because if you think back to when I asked, which one of those pictures do you like, do you desire, do you want, wasn't joking, everybody can raise their hand. We all have something we want, desire, long for. The problem is when we go down the progressions and we get to the resentment phase, if we don't call it what it is, it destroys us. We have to get to the point of saying, I recognize what's going on here. It's not that you have the perfect life or the perfect item or the perfect job. It's the fact that I am in a bad place right now. You see, the good news is this. We don't have to stay in this life-sucking, bone-rotting trap. Because envy, that's what it is. The good news is God is for us. The good news is God knows we struggle with this. And the good news is when we are willing to turn to God things can change. We can get the upper hand. You see, there's only one way that jealousy is used when we're talking about God. So let's look at this. It's Exodus 34, 14. 
says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Really take a look at this, because this is life-giving. This will make our bones new, like the shiny penny. No other gods, no other gods before the Lord. That means anything else that we put before God becomes another god, becomes an idol, if you've heard it say that way. When I want the perfectly manicured lawn because my neighbors have it and I want to look perfect, my lawn and my desire for perfection has become a god before God. He's saying when you want what someone else has and it's not yours, that becomes a god when you put it before me. Now, God has lots of different names, and you probably didn't know that his name is also jealous. But he's not jealous in the fact that he wants something because that's envy, and God cannot envy. God can be jealous, and here's why. Jealousy, remember, is when we want to protect something that is ours. You are God's. And he wants to protect you. Every single one of us is a child of God. And when we turn to him, he accepts us as we are, where we're at, ugly, messy, ugly crying, whatever it is, where we are. And he says, you are mine and I am going to protect you with a fierce, fierce love. I am jealous over you. I do not want you to be destroyed. I do not want you to rot from the inside out. I am for you. And so he says, look to me. And here's where envy is very tricky. Rick Warren puts it in some very succinct sentences, so I want you to read that with me. He says, when you're envious, you're in a battle with God place we don't want to be. It says, you doubt God's goodness in your life. You resent his decision to bless somebody else. You accuse him of being unfair. You don't believe he has your best interest at heart. You accuse him of playing favorites. You may not identify with all of those, I hope. If you do, that's fine. But there's definitely one in there that you identify with whether you're actually admitting it right now or not, there is one of those that you identify with. Is he blessing someone else? Is he being favorites? Is it unfair? It's hard for us to admit that we think these things about God, right? Because we come on Sunday morning and we put on our good clothes and we just come and hang out in church because this is a safe place and other people are here and we get to sing and we get to hear a message and usually we get to feel good and go home. You're kind of wondering about that today. (laughs) That's all right. Because as you know, we can't get to the good sometimes unless we uncover the ugly. We're uncovering the ugly because there's so, so much good out there right now so let's get to the good side 
of how God can help us get the upper hand on envy. The first thing is, and friends, I understand these can be difficult. Remember, I am right here with you. This is not me saying I have it figured out. This is me saying I'm walking through it. I got the stink on me as well. First one, when we trust God, we can own our true identities. Our true identities, who we are at the core. You see, the enemy wants us to believe his lies. He wants us to believe we're worthless, that we're not good enough, that I can't compare, so I'm either not going to compete and pull myself out completely, or I'm going to go like as strong as I can against somebody else. He wants us to believe that God doesn't love us. He wants us to believe that we need to just give up on God and live a lifestyle that's completely fun and I can do whatever I want because I know what's best. Lies. All lies from the devil. When we trust God, we understand that we're a child of God. We understand that with that comes inherent blessings. We are cherished. We are loved. We are protected. We are wanted. And we are made for a purpose. Now let me let you in on a little, like, spoiler alert. Your purpose is for you. Envy tells us someone else's purpose is what I should have. No. God specifically, uniquely created and gifted you with what you have for you. As a child of God, we need to understand what love is because God is love. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Or else put God in there. God is patient. God is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. Is not proud. God is for us. God's patient with us as we figure things out because he, of all people, knows we're imperfect and we're going to fail and we're going to stumble. But every time we stumble, every time we see something ugly and we say, God, help me change it, he says, I'm right here with you. You're not walking through this alone. He wants us to look to him because he is our protector and he will help us. Second thing is, when we trust God, we can be content. Think about that for a moment. Think about all the things in your life right now that you're discontent about. If I gave you a sheet of paper and a pen and said, make a list of things you want to fix, you want to change, you don't like, you're going to ask me for a couple more sheets of paper, right? If I ask you to flip them over and write down, what are you completely content with? What are you like, this is okay right now. This is good. I am happy with this. The list won't even compare. I want our lists of contentment to be longer than our lists of discontentment. Because God wants us to live courageously, to live boldly, and to live for him. We can be content. Because when I start comparing myself to other people, I start becoming discontent with me. 
I miss out on my life because I'm trying to live everybody else's. You see, my kids are at a phase now where they no longer have to hold my hand for everything. It's a bonus if they hold my hand, right? I no longer have to, like, pick out everything for them to eat. They can go do that on their own. I no longer have to pick and choose and give them whatever they need to be happy. They are able to say, this is what I want to do right now. I can get the things I need, and I can do it. It's called growing up. Now, I get the benefit of influencing decisions. I get the benefit of encouraging them. I get the benefit of saying, probably not a wise choice. You can do it, but probably not a wise choice, right? I don't get to control them as much. We are the same as children of God. He's trying to grow us up, but we have to look to him, not other people, because I can cherry-pick the best thing from everybody I know. I can go through and say, I love your hair. I love the way you dress. I love the way you decorate your house. Um, I love the way you parent your kids because, man, you are so patient. I never see you angry. Um, You know what? Your kids have healthy food all the time. Let me just take what you guys do, and then I'll be the best me that I can be, right? I'm not sure I want this job because this is what usually happens. I'm not sure I really want to stand up in front of people because then they're going to, like, look at me. Uh, You're looking at me. Can we change it? Right? When I cherry pick what I want, it is never, ever, 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 ever going to be as good as what God has already given me. We're not in cherry picking season. We are who God created us to be because he did it for a reason that is bigger and better than anything we can understand or know. Because what God is doing in the here and now in my life, if I am looking at everybody else, I miss. I miss my kids growing up. I miss how God's trying to grow me. I miss being happy and enjoying things and being content with what it is in the present. Because what God is doing in the present right now is preparation for what he's going to do in the future. And we have no idea how good it's going to be. And the truth is, unless we are content, we are never going to understand the concept of being joyful in the good and the bad. Because you see, that's our third thing, is that God, when we trust him, we can experience true joy. True joy. Kind of fits on the side of our list of are we content? Do we have true joy? Not manipulated, nothing else. Randy, I'm going to jump back on you on a slide. I skipped it and I shouldn't have. John 10.10, we know this around here. It says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have life and have it to the full. Contentment and joy. We wear it on our shirts if you have a Northridge shirt. We wear it on the hats, the cups, right? Live life to the full because it is so important for us to live life to the full according to what God has for us. It's a main staple of who we are at Northridge. 
It's a main staple of who we need to be as individuals wherever God has placed us. Because as we know, this world can tear anybody down. And that's the enemy's true desire. We get to be the answer to that. So true joy. True joy does not mean we stand in front of somebody having had the absolute worst week ever, and they say, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. How was your week? It wasn't too bad. You know, we we had some things happen. Life's moving on. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's lies. If we are not real with each other, if we are not real with God, and we say, God, this sucks, this hurts, and I don't like it. And right now, frankly, I don't like you. Ooh, it's okay. He can handle it. He can handle it. Because he says, when you look to me, I can give you contentment. When you look to me, I can give you joy. When you are real, being who you are, what you're going through right now in this moment, I'm with you. If you're pretending, you have me at arm's length. Friends, we're here for each other, and we can't be for each other if we are not real. Be courageous. How many of you remember the Chewbacca mom from a couple years ago? Look at her picture. This might remind you. So here's her story, just briefly wrapped up. She is known as the Chewbacca mom, and she is known for her laugh. Because what happened was one day she went to Kohl's to return some things, and she couldn't find anything else she wanted. And so then she found this Wookiee mask, and she was like, I want that for me. Not my kids, for me. So she gets in her car, and she has a few minutes waiting to pick up her kids, and she's like, I'm just going to record this. Now, I enc- this is really bad, but I encourage you this week, if you want to be spiritual, look up her video. <laughs> I'm serious. It's right up next to taking a nap. It is spiritual. Look up her video and watch the original one. She films this, and she's explaining to her friends, I bought this, I bought it for me, not for my kids. They can play with it, but it goes in my room at the end of the night. And then she puts this mask on. And it's it's hilarious because she snorts as she's putting the mask on. She's like, naturally, puts this mask on, and it makes noises. But as it starts making the noises, she starts laughing. And I mean, we're talking gut, belly, rolling laughter, and she cannot stop herself. It's a four-minute video. Two and a half, three minutes is her laughing. (laughs) But it is worth it. I'm telling you, look it up. So she's laughing. It's contagious. Here's the deal. The video goes viral. Literally, overnight, millions of people have viewed it. She shared it with friends on Facebook. Overnight goes viral. By the weekend, she's done three interviews with three major networks about this laughing with the Wookiee mask on, right? What's happening? She does that. Now, here's the deal. She gets to visit Facebook. She gets to, you know, do these interviews, and she has these people contacting her. But the story behind the story is even more powerful, even more powerful. It's two-level tiers. 
the first thing after you watch this video and realize her laugh is so contagious and it's just who she is, she's just really that joyful, is the fact of realizing when she was in college, she was depressed and suicidal. Like her college roommate had to watch her. She was that far down. Now she is joyful. Okay, so that's the first part of it. The second part of it is this. A lot of times we think, let me say this, I think a lot of the times we let envy go from I want something which is fine to I'm now resentful because I don't have it and I deserve it is because we don't think God will answer us. We don't think God cares enough about the little things. So here's what she says. The week before this had happened, she had prayer to prayer. And these are her words. I was sitting on the sofa in the living room. My faith had reached a watershed moment. I was fully invested in trusting God with all my needs, but I wondered if he cared about my wants as well. Okay? I had spent years asking for what I thought he wanted to hear. Did I dare ask for something bolder? I wanted to take our family to Disney World. That's right. Disney World. Were we even allowed to ask for such a small thing from a big God? This was not possible for her and her family. She was a stay-at-home mom. Her husband had a job that wasn't significantly high-paying. It wasn't a possibility. But yet it's a deep heart longing for her because she had done it as a child and had those memories and connections. She goes on to say, I decided to try. God, I said, I want you to make a way for me to take my family to Disney World. There. Done. Right? Are we willing to do that? God, this is my desire. Will you make it come true? Will you make it happen? Like I said, a week later, I was Chewbacca mom. I was all over the place, TV, radio, podcasts, Facebook, headquarters in California. Then one day, not more than two weeks after the video went viral, I got a call from a woman at Disney World. They wanted to give our family an all-expenses-paid trip to the Magic Kingdom. I literally burst into tears. You have no idea what this means to me, I said between sobs. The woman responded by crying herself. This was not manipulation. This was not her trying to force it to happen. This was her praying a normal, everyday prayer in her normal, everyday life. God, this is what I would like. Will it come true? Don't know. Put it out there. You got it. There. Done. A week later, because she's doing something normal, she's posting a video on Facebook, she goes viral because of her joy. No other reason. Because of her joy. Because joy is contagious. It is something we desperately want and long for and we don't have if we are trapped in envy. Like I said, watch the video. I had to watch it a couple of times because honestly, friends, if we're real, I found myself dealing with the ugly of envy. I have found myself questioning and doubting because I'm looking for opinions and insights and 
solidification for who I am and I'm okay from other people. And that's not okay. Because if I'm looking at somebody else and saying, what do you want me to be? If I'm looking at somebody else and saying, you have something better than I, I do, I think, and so I want that. I think the way you're doing things with your kids is great and awesome, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I lose me. And if we're really real, I have lost me. So here's my challenge. Are you courageous enough to say, God, I'm struggling with this, and I want to be who you have created me to be? Because when we make that turn, when we say, God, what you've given me right now is enough. What you've given me right now, I trust. What you've given me right now with, I will be content with because you are growing and molding and shaping me. Then things begin to change. God gives us gifts to use. And your gift is just as important as anybody else's. And when we're in a situation like this, where I get the privilege to stand up here and talk, and Pastor Brent gets the privilege to stand up here and talk, it's a blessing. It is not something that we deserve. But when I look to what everybody else wants for me, instead of what God wants for me, I don't want to stand up here because I become insecure and doubtful and uncertain. And you know what God says? Child, you are enough. Right here, right now, right as you are, use what I've given you. So I can't decorate my camper. If you can help me, call me. <laughs> right? I can't make the healthy homemade meals because, my gosh, I love chips and salsa. But you know what? God has given me an ability to stand in front of people trusting in him because if I listen to what everybody says, there's good and there's bad mixed in. And there may be truth, but there may be enemy lies. And unless I look to God to say what is absolutely true according to you, we will always be lost. So my challenge to you this week as the band gets ready to come up is this. I want you guys to be real. I want you to think, where am I having a problem? That deepest hurt inside is probably linked to envy somewhere. Do the hard work of asking, what is it? Do the hard work of saying, I want to change because I don't want rotten bones anymore. I want to have contentment and joy, and I want to know that I am jealously protected by a God who loves me as I am, who I want to serve and give my best to. And when my best isn't enough, he still takes it and uses it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, nothing is a surprise to you. There's no coincidences. 
There's no uncertainties. There's no wondering. There's no, oops, I made a mistake. I didn't think about that. Because you are perfect. And you have created us. And you know how you specifically made us. You know where you want us to grow into. You know what we need in the here and now. So my prayer now is that we can look past the enemy lies, past the doubt and the insecurity, past the longings that are not from you, past the I want because I'm not enough, to help us see how wonderful you've created us, who we are. Father, I pray you take these hurtful moments, things that have been rubbed raw today, and speak truth into them. I pray that we look towards you and don't run away because it hurts. I pray that we are real and we are honest with each other so that we can encourage and support, that we can challenge and confront lovingly, Father. You desire so much for us and you are so jealously protective of us that I wouldn't want it any other way. Don't allow us to be cherry-picked imperfections of conglomerates that we think is best. Let us be what you have created us and designed us to be, Father. Thank you for giving us the reminder this morning with our child dedication that you love us, and it begins from the day that we are born. It begins before we are born, God. We just forget it as we grow into our mature adult ways. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring enough to protect us. Thank you, Father, for showing us how to walk through the hard things. We trust you. Give us the courageous, courageous boldness to trust you and to say, I am yours. Change me, Father, so that my insides are whole and healthy and strong because I'm looking to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, will you?